Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cindy Donaldson Show. I am your host, Cindy Donaldson. I'm a certified high-performance coach, serial entrepreneur. I mean, crazy serial entrepreneur, bucket list obsessed. And yeah, I live full-time in my RV traveling around the world. And, well, actually around the country, but I do hop on planes every once in a while. And I am obsessed with the mission to ensure that everybody I come in touch with learns how to not only create, but live their life by design. So if you listen to my last podcast, if not, you should go do that first before you listen to this one, because you are in for a treat today. I have a dear friend with me and uh, Diane Crosby. Welcome, Diane, to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Cindy. I'm honored to be a guest on your show. <laughs> so we are the Red Eyeglass Girls and um, super fucking capable SFC. So if you've been with me for a hot minute, you know that that's kind of my mantra. And um, I wanted to bring Diane on here because she is the queen of boundaries. She's overcome so much trauma and drama in her life. And I'm going to let her share what she wants because she has a book coming out. And I don't want to like tell too much of her story if she doesn't want to release it. But she has been able to turn something horrific into something amazing. And the way she's able to shift from bad days to finding the sunshine and not only like surviving, but actually thriving. So I know you're going to learn a lot from her today. I adore her. Um, I coached with her for a while and I was the coach. And But I, I felt like I took more notes, Diane, uh, than you probably <laughs> did. So I learned a lot during our three months you know, working together. And I'm just so, I'm so proud of everything that you've done. So I'm going to kind of let you take from here. I mean, the, the big question that I would love you for you to answer is in, in your life, like when was the tipping point where you said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to change my life and I'm going to be something different regardless of what happened in my past. And again, you can share what you want about what happened or not. Cause I know, you know, the New York Times bestseller is going to be out there and maybe you want people to hear it there. I don't know. <laughs> well, first of all, again, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And I, I like, and I could say love sharing my story. And I usually spare people the gory details, but I think the details of everything that women in particular go through is important to, to talk about. Because although we all have stuff in our life and we all have things that we overcome. And when you said, you know, traumatic, horrific childhood, I mean, that those are words. But until you hear some of the nitty gritty, it's uh, ghastly. I'll use that word. But I'm not going to go into to a great detail because, yes, I want people to, to read my memoir, which has been quite challenging to write, healing, and very... Um, hard, very hard. I'm not going to mince words there. But my childhood was pretty horrific. My father's a, a pedophile and continues to uh, exist in this world. And the ripple effect that has occurred and in not only my generation, I come from a family, uh, um, there are, I have si seven siblings, his, hers, and ours. And we all had different levels and so on of abuse. And for those who probably know, every experience of life is different depending on who you are, even though you may have lived in the same house. So it wasn't until I was about 19 years old, living on my own, 
putting myself through school and working two jobs that some of the abuse came tumbling in. And, and most of those memories initially were from my half brother who had uh, m repeatedly molested me and my younger sisters. And, but I thought I was doing great. Well, you know, okay, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, that happened. Doesn't that happen to everyone? <laughs> and yet I continued to what I thought was thriving. I, I was determined as a younger child, seeing the abuse that my mom undertook and didn't do anything. Although, she, interestingly enough, she was never physically abused like the rest of us, as far as I know. I never say I know anything about what anybody's experience right. is or was. Uh, so, but I was not going to be that woman who was subservient and was needed a man to take care of her. So that struck me early on. Part of what I did during that time was I kind of took on the role of caretaking her. So I'm going to skip forward a little bit. I then got married, had uh, two children. First was a son and loved him to death and of course still do. And then I had a daughter. And when I was pregnant with her, and, and I like to share this interesting psychology of who, what our brains and what our emotional beings do. And that's when I started to lose it, totally lose it. I couldn't sleep. I was having trouble functioning because a lot of the memories were coming back. And I didn't know what she was, that she was a girl until she was born. I did not know with either child. And I remember but saying, knew, to, but did you just know? Exactly. I did. Yes, I did. You knew. I didn't tell anyone, but I knew inside. And it wasn't until after she was born that I totally lost it. And a therapist told me that my inner self knew she was a girl. And that's when I, why I fell apart being pregnant with her as opposed to my son. So the story unfolded and the uh, drama just escalated terribly because it was around that time when I spilled the beans, so to speak, opened that Pandora's box and made my family look at it. And uh, that gets pretty ugly pretty fast because people take sides, et cetera, et cetera, for their own, their own stuff. And um, a brother came forward and said, oh, by the way, it wasn't our half brother, it was our father. And uh, then I went on a mission to protect the grandchildren. And again, I'm not going to go into a lot of it, but I just wanted you to understand that it was an explosion of what I thought was my family. And I was the one who stepped out of the dance. And um, so again, fast forward, I get divorced and you asked for the tipping point. I, I don't think for me, there wasn't like one, you know, lightning strike and, oh, wow. It was little snips along the way and part of what I just shared with you. And um, being raised Catholic, I remember as a, as a young child in Catholic school uh, sitting and I don't know what that nun said. And I, in my mind, somehow what came out was, this is all bullshit. And I was, <laughs> My God, I don't swear I'm that shy, you know, obedient um, 10 year old or whatever I was. So I think the things, the path was starting to already be 
open to me. So I get divorced and start tuning into myself more. Many of us in our, my, your generation were told our emotions were not to be shared, good, bad, or indifferent. We were supposed to be this numb, plain, vanilla kind of person, especially as a woman. And I, so that's what I did. You know, I, I just sucked it all in. After I got divorced, I knew I wanted to regroup with my children. I wanted to rebond with them. It was um, their father's alcoholic substance abuse and totally um, went off the rails. So I felt that I, I knew I had enabled him for way too long and I wanted to rebond and build a relationship, which I did. Um, my kids, I remember we were playing games, you know, board games, and we just were laughing. And one of my kids said, so I have two, so it was just the three of us, said, Mom, I've never seen you laugh like this. Oh. Now there's a, a light bulb moment. And so tipping point was when I realized I needed to really get myself um, in a healthier position. So I became very physically active. I started working out and running and marathon and triathlon and all that kind of heavy endurance stuff, power lifting. And that helped me a lot. They helped me get through my divorce. They helped me through a lot of things. And then I what had- What do you think other... that is? I mean, I want to interrupt for a second because yeah. I, I don't remember, but I read an article someplace where, because I've done all that too, the marathon, the like climbing freaking mountains, you know, you and I have and, and like the spousal thing, alcoholic, you know, the trauma stuff. And I read that a lot of people- who endured early childhood trauma or trauma at some point get involved in these hard endurance sports like long distance running and like I wonder if it's the the dopamine high the endorphins just something that you can control or conquer have you ever because I know you do research on all of this shit and you're you're a curious cat so I'm I curious do. if you ever figured that out well I only felt it with in myself. I think you're absolutely right because I can remember I was also teaching spin at the time and I became a, a trainer and it was the only time that I felt in control was that I was doing something intense, either running or I would take yeah. spin classes three days, times a day, just so I didn't shake and didn't, you know, didn't lose control. So I, I think there's definitely something to be said for that. And I've changed since then, by the way, because I, I realized that that was all external. Yes, it's your body. But what was happening inside of me? What, what about those emotions? What about that, those energy fields? And um, so, I mean, life, life happens. Uh, I always was and still am that person who wants to know what's coming next and make the plan. And <laughs> I always did the new year's resolution goals and so on and still do, but I do it in a different way. And one of the threads that was happening through my life and continues to this day is the, I call it the my man issue. I've never been able to have a quality relationship because, and I know it's what we put out, 
comes back, I attracted the wrong kind of man, the narcissistic, controlling. And I realize through lots of therapy and my own, you're right, research, if I think something's not quite right, I'll go buy a book. <laughs> <laughs> I, was have, I have libraries. Yeah. <laughs> <pull out> books. <laughs> but, but primarily, I wanted to be a better mom. I wanted to stop the, although it wasn't called that at the time, the generational trauma. I felt a strong responsibility mm -hmm. to protect the grandchildren. And I think there's like 40 of them. Uh, wow. But unfortunately, he already had his hands on one for sure. And I believe very firmly uh, several others. So that whole psychology of, of uh, continuing to have a relationship with an abuser is, is a whole nother. We need a three or four podcast for that one. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, my daughter went off to uh, college. I didn't date during the time, but for the most part, when I was finishing raising them, my daughter went off to college. My son was in the Coast Guard. And I said, okay, let me focus on making some money and, you know, maybe retire early and do something. I followed a lot of different mentors, business-wise, men, yeah. by the way, and really put myself in there. So I bought a business and it failed. And then I was, I don't want to say homeless because I wasn't on the streets, but I didn't have any place to live. I had to sell my house and I didn't have any money. I literally sold my house with $100 to my name and I didn't have a job. So... I strongly believe in the power of the universe and the law of attraction. And I believe that that was the tipping point. I, I learned so much about how to create my own life, how to be the, uh, I don't want to say master because I don't like that word, but I'll use it. The master of my destiny. Yeah. Nobody else was, was going to save me. And again, I, was brought up in a generation where women found a man to take care of them. And that was what was expected of me, but I was not successful at that. And it always, you know, was in the back of my mind, but you said, I'm talking to myself, you said you wanted to be independent. You didn't want to be dependent on a man or anyone else to survive. And you've raised your kids by yourself. What aren't you seeing here? So anyway, the business failed. I, Again, have no place to live out of the, I don't know, somehow or other, this woman was planted in my life. Her name is Diane, and she offered me to come live with her. So I did, and then I cobbled together. I don't don't want to go into that in too depth, but I, I actually had five jobs for a time, and I felt I was at the bottom or at least as low as I could possibly go. And I said, okay, I've been following all these mentors all these years. Let me focus on one and let me actually do it. Let me do exactly what they say and see what happens. What do I have to lose? So I started doing daily affirmations, daily um, visioning of what I wanted. I wrote it down. I said it out loud because I always used to write it down. I always used to do that. But I feel that one of the key 
ways that the universe will send to you what you want is by saying it out loud and believing it. I was just going to ask, did you really believe it in your soul? I did. I absolutely did. I absolutely did. And it's what you hear all the time. It's until you hit rock bottom and you know there's no other way out. Are you really going to make a change? So I did it. I mean, I didn't do it in front of my roommate friend because she would have thought I was crazy. I, but I did it in the car, going to work on the way yep. home before I went to bed, all of that. And it worked. I manifested a job saying, making exactly what I said I was going to make. So look at that. That was in July. Uh, I started it right away, but I said by, I don't know, I don't remember exactly. I still have my vision, some of my vision boards, or at least I pulled them apart. I look back at it because it reminds me when I get on my pity pot, how well I've done and that I forget and that sharing my story with others is powerful. And if I can help someone do that too, I would love to do that. But let me, let me just continue that. So here, I I got the job. I could get rid of some of my jobs. All I kept, I continued personal training because I do like different streams of income. I yes. think that that is powerful mm-hmm. if you, because life changes all the time. So I, I still did a couple of different things and I always have something percolating in my mind mm-hmm. that I want to do. So I did that. Now, the other thing I really wanted was to have a quality relationship with a wonderful man. So that was the other piece. So I would, I did these two things in tandem. I found the man successful, could take care of me wasn't quite what I wanted and didn't follow my intuition. And um, three years later, that relationship dissolved. And I thought the grass was greener. I left that job, went somewhere else, and that tanked. So I believe that I made that happen too. I made, I manifested the money, the job, successful career and then and the man and then poof it seemed like poof but I still had that internal belief system that said I wasn't worthy Mm -hmm. that I wasn't good enough who would want this broken woman who was so badly abused and it hasn't you know what's what's her worth so I recognized that and started to do it all over again, continued. And I still do it. I I found another mentor that I followed. I've been in and out of therapy. And I said, if I did this before, I can do it again. And I do have a very tenacious streak and I don't give up. Just a little. (laughs) And I, I reached down into what helped me run the marathon. I mean, I was the kid in in, um, high school sports gym class that was always picked last. Oh, me too. I had no no ability. (laughs) So I said, you know, I'm not getting any younger. What what am I doing? What kind of life do I want to live? So I I bebopped around in different um, apartments. I left my my friend who was so, so kind to to help me get back on my feet. And it's a constant, constant evolution, you know, on that journey to to what? What what do we really want in life? 
So what changed is I stopped powerlifting because I had already stopped running. And um, I had always said, you know, when I get old, I'm going to do yoga. So I started doing yoga and but after I lost everything and I was living in an apartment I didn't like and I you know lost them, all, all that, I said, OK, what haven't I tried? And that's when the light bulb went off that what I didn't try was going inside. What's in here? You know, we all know that we only use about 5% of our brain capability. Oh, yeah. What what can I do differently? So I started following some, I'll call it out there kind of mentors and in, in right in line with the law of attraction and manifesting. And I said, okay, I did the business side of the manifesting and the affirmations. How about I tap into my power even deeper? What's inside? So I started meditating, doing yoga, spending more time outside. Nature has always been something that I love, but I didn't spend a lot of time outside because I was too busy working. I was a workaho workaholic, and I only figured that out a few years ago. Like, holy <laughs> I said to someone, I'm going to start taking weekends off. And when the words came out of my mouth out loud, I said, holy crap, how sad is that? I am 60 whatever years old, and I'm only going to now start taking weekends off. So anyway, it's a continuing of that path of what's inside of me that I can manifest. So I coach a lot of people who are our age and many, of course, I attract people who are like me, right, who have gone through some kind of shit in their life and are masters of survival. Like the the pandemic, you probably like I it didn't really I'm like, OK, pandemic, this is what we got to do. You know, wear a mask, get a shot, do whatever. And, you know, you kind of just go back into that survival mode of what, I, what do I have to do? But people like you and I have a very hard time doing what you just said, like going inside yes. and learning how to thrive beyond the survive. Like I too was a workaholic, right? And, you know, ran the marathons and push, 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 push. I was the, was the woman who brought their kids into their office and they slept even though they had a cold or something, you know, had the flu. And I'm like, gotta get, gotta meet this deadline. Gotta be yes. the top salesperson. Gotta, 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 gotta. And it's very hard to slow down and go internally. Do you, like, I get asked this question a lot um, with people, especially who have ADHD. Do you have a hard time meditating? Like, was that difficult for you to slow down and actually, yes. it was? And it Talk still to is. Me a little bit about, it is. Okay, because it is for me too. Yes. I have to really work to turn my brain off and say, it's okay and not feel guilty about taking an hour or whatever. Right. And I learned, well, I just made this in this, you can relate to two. It's the same kind of, you know, MO that we do. Yeah. I made up my mind. I was going to learn to meditate. So I was effing going to do it <laughs> no matter what. And so I'm a really good routine person. So yeah. getting up, having a separate chair and just sitting and I followed Abraham Hicks for anyone who knows Esther and the guided meditation was more helpful 
to me at first. And sitting in silence is hard for most of us humans because sadly, as soon as we're born, we lose our sense of being and we become a doer. So it's hard to change that. And, and then when you add in the trauma of growing up for me, living in a household that was fraught with violence and there was always something going on. So it was constantly in that fight or flight mode. And I didn't realize it until many, many years later that those are the, the men I chose. Those are the friends I chose that who in that and also the jobs I gravitated to. I thought, oh, I, I do better. I do such a great job when the, you know, when the house is on fire, you know, so I've worked in industries that were so oh, yeah. line driven. And, Me too. Uh, so anyway, meditating, yes, continues to be hard. But I've I've also learned Eckhart Tolle, anybody who might yeah. know. Eckhart, who uh, I love, that was my next step. He doesn't meditate in the traditional way. And this kind of gave me some freedom. What he does is he does mindfulness walks. He's a big outdoor person. And and I do that too. You yeah. talked about yeah. that a lot. That is more meditative many times than sitting for 10, 15, whatever it might be. But I do, I do both, but I so enjoy being outside with my headlamp on these days. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, a friend of mine um, coined it because we, during COVID, we would go hiking together. It was, okay, forget the gym, quit that. We're going to do move around the earth gym. And I've really embraced it. The, uh, the ocean has, is my sense of it centers me. It brings me back to center to go to the ocean and just listen to the waves. So I think for me, continuing to learn what might work. So I kind of want to, I want to go back to a few things. One is why do you think people like you and I, you know, gave birth to children who against all odds should have probably been train wrecks, but not, not that they're perfect, but they turned out okay. We turned out okay. And we learned how to thrive. Yet so many people that have gone through that just really struggle. Like where, and again, I've done so much soul searching and again, therapy coaching and everything around this. I have but, an answer. Oh, tell me a wise one. It's my answer. I don't know if it's the right answer. But like you, I am, I've spent 30 plus years trying to understand what's happened in my family of origin and seeing, you know, seven others who I'm mostly not close to. Those are the boundaries that I've set. I don't speak with. More you are the queen, them. right? The queen of the boundaries. You have that title. I try, but it's it, it's not as black and white as it sounds. It's it's really really hard, especially it this is. year. It's extremely yeah, it hard. Is. But anyway, listening to some of my siblings talk about this and something that you just said, um, I know a lot of the grandchildren were horrifically abused too by the pedophile, and yet their parents are, I believe, in in, in denial. And don't recognize it because some of what I hear is, well, I turned out okay. 
And so my answer, what I see is, those are people who can't, won't look because it's too painful. And I'm not being critical. I'm really not. I no. understand and I love them anyway. Um, but it's too hard. It's too painful. So, and that's what's settling for life, how, how life has hit me. And I say that not for me, because I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe every day of our lives, we have a choice. Mm -hmm. You can choose to, woe is me. You can choose to just think everything that's happening in the world now is negative and awful and we're all doomed to die. You know, you could do that. Or you can say, glass half full person. I'm going out into the sunshine because I'm feeling a little grumpy this morning. Let me get out of here. And you make your own way and you surround yourself by people who are that quality. I mean, none of a, a, the human condition is, is not perfect. You know, we're oh, all God, no. here. We're all here. I heard this not that long ago. We're all here helping each other to get home. We're all here helping each other get home. What home is, is different for every different, for every person. I do not believe in organized religion in any way, shape or form. Uh, but I do believe in a, a spiritual power. And I've learned that by, holy crap, look what I created. So here I am going, went from losing it all, cobbling an income out of five jobs to making six figures, several years, and saving a lot. And I bought, you can't see it, but I bought a, a beautiful house and- you know, some said that wasn't the wisest decision at my age to do that. <laughs> and yet I am still overcoming that I'm not worthy, that who do I think I am? And I do it, but I do it every day. I, I have to remind myself every day because it's very easy for me to go back there to that belief system that you know, is ingrained in us as little children. And unless you face it, unless you look at it and make a different choice, that's going to be your, your life. I shared in my last podcast that I had a site when I was in, a, you know, I was in a horrific relationship and I was really at a rock bottom. I had two friends who had to do an intervention because I just couldn't get myself out of bed. How my kids even, I, I don't even know. I really don't know. It was kind of a blur. And anyway, went to a psychiatrist and, you know, he sat and listened to my story and I was a little hesitant to go to a man and I don't even remember his name, but he literally held my face in his hands, which would probably be totally inappropriate now and said, Cindy, you are not mentally ill. You are not broken. And you have a choice to make. You can go back to that. You can stay with your ex. Well, my husband at the time, and the abuse is going to continue. He's not going to change. You have no control over what the hell he does. And it's not going to get any better. Or you can take care of yourself. You you can go get a job. You can get a divorce. The, the choice is yours. Like mm -hmm. He has no power over you. You think he does, but he doesn't. And that is something that has stuck with me for 30 something years that and you and I have talked about this. You know, like I don't believe in forgiving people that have done really bad shit to me. Like I have relatives I don't talk to. And it, it does get hard around the holidays because there are people that have forgiven them, but I, I'm and I'm not gonna apologize for that. 
but I don't give them power anymore. Like you go live your crazy freaking life, do whatever you want, but you're not going to affect me anymore. Cause you know, I have boundaries, not nearly as good as you queen of the boundaries, but I, I do have boundaries. And so I, I 100% agree with you. Like, yes, there are people with deep mental illness that have really struggled with that. And I hope that they know that they aren't alone and they can go get help. Like you and I have spent a lot of time in therapy. And a I don't lot know about of money. you, but <laughs> a lot of money. And I, I've been on drugs. I was on drugs for a while to help stabilize, just to get me out of bed and freaking get a job. Like, I don't think there's any shame in that. But like you, I have spent my whole life learning how to not be my parents like, yes. and it exactly. never ends. Like people think because I'm a coach now and I help people through this, that I figured it all out. And it's my journeys. I'm like, it is not over. Like never is, over. Every day is a new day. And it is hard when you have to start over, especially, you know, when you're our age and you're like, Oh, well now what do I do? Right. Well, that's you right. just go back and do it all over again. Like you learning how to meditate, like, and that survivor thing is very difficult to get over. Like, you know, you and I make it seem easy sometimes because like, oh, you know, we just did it. We woke up and we said, I'm not going to have a pity party anymore. It's, it is not that easy. It oh. takes a lot of dedication and self-love to do that. Yes. So a lot. I want to talk before we, um, before I hit record, we were talking about the pity party thing and you allow yourself 15 minutes, which I think is, that's amazing. Because sometimes I go for a day or two and then I'm like, okay, Cindy, enough. Get out of your freaking pajamas, take a shower, put some makeup on and like, you know, get your gratitude journal out. How, how did you get to just 15 minutes? Like, how, how do you do that? Because I'm fascinated. Well, I didn't know that about you, that you only allowed yourself 15 minutes. So yeah, I only just told you that today. Yeah. Well, because it's so easy. Uh, first of all, it's part of our human condition. This is scientifically true that we go towards the negative. We do. Yeah. And we love people who will commiserate with us and our negativity and how everybody out there is out to get us and, you know, including the government, et cetera, et cetera. Which is why I don't watch TV or the news. Oh, I don't. I don't watch the news either. I do watch. <laughs> I like to watch light Netflix happy endings. Yes, 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 exactly. Anyway, it, didn't mean it to was actually a dear friend of mine uh, years ago. I don't remember what was happening. Yes, I do. Actually, I do. Her husband was horrifically uh, killed in an accident and um, it came out to be what um, a not such a nice person he was that had unraveled and it was horrific. And I, I helped her through that. And it, she said to me, okay, I'm giving myself 15 minutes because her life went to hell in a handbasket. I'm giving myself 15 minutes and then I'm done. And so we would do that for each other. Okay, spill, vent, um, your sounding board. I'm going to hold space for that. The, the angst, the, the grief, all of that. And so it just became something we would say to each other. And I, I might grouse to her about something and say, okay, you have 15 minutes on your pity pop. And so now I do it for myself. If something goes awry, I, I'm human. I, you know, I'll like, holy crap, you know, the sky is falling. And I say, okay. And it's like a, it's like a little, it's like a timer, literally. I mean, it's honestly not 15 minutes. exactly. Yeah. What, sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. And I will just, okay, this is horrible. 
you know, I, I work a full-time job and I do other things. So I have a staff that supports me and sometimes they really suck at it. And so I just like, what the hell? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I just let it go. But within my own space, I, you know, I, I, I don't do that to anyone. Anger at someone is a terrible thing to do, but you have to get it out somewhere. Or I'll just put on my sneakers and I'll just stomp out the door and I'm gone. But it really, it, just the fact that I say, oh, you, hey, you have 15 minutes. It's like a, a an alarm that gets set off, not only in my brain, but in my, you know, that emotional energy. So, I, okay, whatever it was, and it could be a person, you know, a, a breakup or whatever. I'm going to give you 15 minutes. And it might be 15 minutes a day until you get over that relationship breakup. But I think we owe it to ourselves to let that go, let it happen. It's okay mm -hmm. to be angry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's cathartic. And everyone in life needs one or two or three or four people who will help honor that space. So I do that with not as many friends as I'd like, honestly, because I we've talked about our the tribe I'm recreating yeah. in life. I'm always recreating. And, um, but my daughter is one of them. My son is, is another and okay. Can you just, you know, give me, don't, I don't want you to tell me what to do. Like that's the worst thing that people can do for each other is, well, yeah, he stinks. And he was this and that just to, you know, jump on your bandwagon. You just need to say, I'm going to hold the space for you. I love it that. Safe. It's a safe space, safe, safe place to do that. It's it's almost like self-therapy in a way, right? Because when you go to a therapist, that's kind of your safe space. You can, you know, mm -hmm. tell all and do all and therapists aren't allowed to tell you what to do. Well, they're not supposed to tell you what to do. Although I've had, you know, my share that have said, not today, so you're not going there, but it is that safe space. And I'd love that. So you give yourself the 15 minutes of whatever, then what? Like, how do you go from crying, angry, ready to like, you know, punch somebody out to like, okay, Talk us through what that process kind of looks like. Okay, so I'll give you an example. And this is a piece in my uh, my memoir in the book. So I'm going to reveal a little bit. A couple of years ago, as I was um, starting to write this book and uh, some of the revelations about my uh, my nephew, about my the, the pedophile father uh, came out and that was new information over a couple of decades. And I was distraught absolutely distraught. I thought I had saved several of the grandchildren and I hadn't, and I felt so responsible. Oh, wow. And I could actually cry right now because it's, it's still pretty raw, but it was an October day and I was working from home. I think it was, co I think it was COVID and um, I just had to get out of my, like I could feel the insides just like, I couldn't like I, your heart hurts. Couldn't get comfortable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I, I, my heart was was just broken. And some there was a voice inside somewhere that said, get out, pack a bag, pack a backpack, bring a journal, bring a pen, get your sneakers on, get it. It was late October. The sun was setting early and go get in the car. And I was it was almost robotic. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't hurry fast enough. I got to go. I got to go. And I, I got in the car and I drove. 
And I said, where am I going? But I was led, literally led to the ocean. It's a, a walking path, pretty known, well-known in Rhode Island where you walk through the woods and then it opens up into the um, ocean and there's a bridge and so on. So, and I kept, and I kept thinking, okay, I'm going. And I kept, my pace was getting a little bit faster and faster because the sun was setting and I did not want to be out in the dock in the woods. And um, I come to the clearing and, and opening and I just stood there and I looked at the ground and there were big rocks, like fist size. And I've been to this place many times. So where did these, I never saw these before. And all of a sudden I went, this is why you're here. You came to get rid of that anger, the pain, the sadness, the loss. I set my backpack down and I started hurling rocks. So that was like a pity party for whatever time it took me. And I finished, I don't know when, I yelled and screamed, cried. And, and by the way, this, this place is usually pretty popular though, people. I saw one person fishing way down. Oh, wow. Otherwise they would have called 911. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then it was released. And, and I think that that's for me, that 15 minute pity pot time that I spend is, it gets rid of it. So it, it's almost... You know, when you get out of a, a nice hot shower or a, a, you know, a tub, you know, or something that's really peaceful, you have that relaxed state of, whew, that was wonderful. There wasn't anything for me to do except I sat and I journaled and I got up and went home. So I had let it go. And that's, I think, the importance of having some kind of ritual that helps you to release. Because if you don't release it from yourself, it's gonna go somewhere. It's either gonna stay in and it's gonna be exploded somewhere else. And, and that's where there are a lot of addictions to substances, food, all of that. That's what we do, we internalize. And you know, I, I've been there with uh, chocolate. Um, <laughs> so I hope that answers your question. It does. It does. And I, I think the the theme here is that you have to take action and you have done so much work on yourself and your subconscious mind is, is incredible. Like I am fascinated with the reticular activating system, your subconscious and what you tell yourself, it, you, you really do search it out, right? So your, your mind at that point knew what you needed and it, that, you know, the voice was probably yours, like to get out. Although I do believe in, you know, like my grandmother comes to me a lot. She was my muse. Like I'll just hear her, like her voice in my head, but you have, you have, you have done the work. And so the secret is to take action, right? Kind of like you that's, said, like you, you move or you don't. That's so true. And a couple of years ago, I was introduced to this book. I guess it's, it's pretty well known. It's called the, pot, the body keeps the score. I had no idea. Yes, my mind knew, but the stuff that I've been holding in my body needed to be released. Many a therapist said many, well, several said 
to me that I had not gotten in touch with my anger and that I needed to do that. But none of them could tell me how. Yeah, I, I mean, oof, I've, I've, I've had that same conversation with multiple therapists. And um, I mean, I've been pretty open about my relationship with my mother, and she died at the age of 45. And finally, I had a therapist who said, I want you to go to the grave. And just yell at her, like, just get it all out. And kind of like you throwing the stones. It was, I, I, I don't know, there was like a peace after that. Like, I, I'll never have any real closure with my mother. But because she died so young and, you know, where I'm a completely different person now than I was when I was 20, right. but like, who knows what that relation, who knows? And I don't know her story because she was very secretive, but in any event, it, it is like, you have to do the action. And if, if you're looking for all the answers from your therapist, you're like, you, like, you've got to figure this shit out on your own. And the only way to do it is you just got to try yes. create that safe haven for yourself and just believe like you said, that you can have a, a better life. And a relationship with myself. Yeah. That has been huge, absolutely huge. And I know this is, you know, kind of overused is my inner child. Yeah. Learned, but by having grandchildren now, I've learned so much about what my inner child lost, never had. You, I didn't know how to play. I truly didn't. I, and I ne never felt loved ever. So those things, you don't think about it a lot. You don't even realize you feel that loss until something happens in life. And it's not only grandchildren. It could be whatever it might be. Yeah. You don't know if you don't know. I mean, that's how you were brought up, right? right. Like, and, and, you know, you said, you're often you know in books and stuff it'll say like history repeats that you like if you grow up in an abusive household you're going to marry an abuser you and I did that like okay <laughs> like and it took seeing that I mean for me a tipping point for me was when my daughter like my ex-husband was going on some kind of a rampage and she came to me and said, she goes you have to divorce him like enough and I was like oh shit talk about mommy guilt right yes and and letting go of the guilt I mean, I'm, I work with my therapist now all the time on this. He's like, Cindy, you have, you know, Catholic guilt, mommy guilt, somewhere in the back, you've got Jewish guilt. And I did 23. I mean, I was convinced that I had Jewish ancestry, but I don't, but I was convinced because I, I, that is my thing. Like I feel guilty very quickly because like you, you feel like everything is your fault. Like you did something wrong. And part of that is who we are as women, because we have been so downtrodden by the patriarchal system, those beliefs in the generations before us of women who were forced down and held in a subservient roles, no matter what they were. So, I mean, that's a love to do a podcast on all of that. <laughs> I feel you're going to be back. That's fascinating. <laughs> the whole thing is fascinating. It is fascinating. It is. So, and we don't recognize that those are those are beliefs that are wrong. We think, well, that's the way it is. So that's what we do. Like you can't change that. And that is, that's a sad truth for a lot of people. And then going back to um, my family who they think, oh, we're, we're great. We survived this. You survived it physically, emotionally, not so sure. 
Yeah. But who am I to say? So it's the let them theory. Mel Robbins. Yeah. Finally found a woman mentor. (laughs) Let Um, them. Yes. The let them theory. I listened to that periodically to remind me I'm not responsible for anybody else's emotions and anything except myself. And that's also what has helped me to set the boundaries around my inner peace. Amen. Amen. I mean, again, I think another part of being a fantastic survivor is you um, you learn how to get away from like the physical abuse or whatever, but then it's the spiritual and the emotional part of yourself that is where the healing comes in. You can take yourself out of a bad situation and that's an amazing first step. That's what you have to do. But the lifelong work mm-hmm. is, is learning to love yourself and doing, you know, getting out on your back porch, like you do in the morning. And, yes, you know, I do. what, what is the, the phrase that you say? I forgot it. What I say, the whole thing is I am open and receptive to all. And I make it up, you know, love, joy, peace, you know, and then I, I cut myself some, some slack and say, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, you know, and then I, I put a little funny things in there. <laughs> but like, Listeners, this is the this is the important part, right? If you feel like you are stuck and you just can't get beyond it, like you have to take the first step. Get outside the comfort zone because you do have control over how you react to any situation. I preach that all the time. And I have to remind myself all the time. I have to remind myself that I have adult children and that like you, Diane, you'll be there for them and you will mentor them. But at some point, they have to make the decision to go do what they want. And and as a parent, that is painful to sit back and watch that. But you and I turned out to be great moms. Those are the best best lessons. And my kids will say I'm, you know, a great mom. You know, sometimes I don't quite believe them because I know my missteps. But we all have missteps. Oh, God, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And the most important thing is, is when a child, an adult child comes and says, you know, mom, we have to have this conversation, this and that, accept that, honor that space for them to tell you, you sucked at whatever. The worst thing to say is, well, I did the best I could. Well, that is just so demeaning and patronizing. Of course you did the best you could, but you can now learn something new as an adult with an adult child, you can create a different relationship because sometimes those children need to speak something because none of us were perfect. Oh God, no, no, no. Everybody has a story and everybody has a dark story someplace. And you just, you just never know. I think you and I are open books and we talk about it all the time, but, and then sometimes we'll look at other people and be like, you know, they seem like they have all their shit together and they really don't. It's a facade. It's kind of like my parents, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. It was kind of like, I think you shared in your family too. Like you just shove it under the rug and then nobody will know about it. Cause God forbid we sully the family name. Right. Oh, that's right. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like that used to hurt more than anything. You know, it's bad enough that my brothers were crazy. I have one who's truly a psychopath. And my father would blame me every time my brother would go off the rails. And, you know, it was always my fault. Well, you egged him on or you did this, or you did that. Like it, anyway, 
again, we another whole podcast. We are only responsible for ourselves. And it, but it is, it's what you said before to take the action and it doesn't have to be big action. It can be no. so, so I'm big into the circadian rhythm and light and dark. And we're coming into the winter solstice and what you said about getting out every morning. I do that. One of the first things I do in the morning is I nowadays put a coat on, go out onto my deck and the sun is just starting to rise or wherever, depending on how I slept the night yeah. before. But that the light, even if it's not sunlight on your face, on your eyeballs in the morning and just breathing in that fresh air, there's nothing fresher than that morning air. And I listen, I, I talk to the trees, you know, I just, I move a little bit. I breathe and I am so appreciative of my backyard, you know, the simple things. And mm -hmm. that sets the tone for the rest of my day. Yes, I exercise. Yes, I meditate, all that kind of thing. But that simplicity of walking outside for five minutes, rain, snow, whatever. Sometimes it's only two or three minutes. Sometimes it's 20. But I recommend it highly to anyone. I don't care where you live in the city. doesn't matter. That yep. morning, that morning is, is precious. It's precious. I ease my way into the day. I am not one to hop out of bed and go to, I've never been able to do that. So I give myself two hours, which may seem extreme to some people, but at 61 years old, I'm giving myself that gift. When my kids were little and I had to shuffle them off to school, I would just get up a half hour earlier just to have peace. And That's, I'd get up, get my coffee, go outside, do whatever. Um, that is so good. In fact, many of the mentors and the successful people that I follow or know of, that's exactly what they do. They do not run into the day. Now, I, that used to be me. I'd get out of bed, put my sneakers on. I'd either buy out for a run or I'd go to the gym. I'd always go out early so I could get back before my kids were, you know, getting them off to school. But now I don't. I don't rush into my day anymore either. And uh, most of the time I won't make an appointment before 10 o'clock. Um, so, and that's what, again, the successful people do. They put themselves first. Put themselves first. Yeah. Setting themselves up for success. So when I was training for marathons and running a lot, that's what I would do. Like get up at 3.30, eat, go to the bathroom, do all that stuff. So you could be on the, especially in the summer. So you could be on the trail as the sun's coming up. And I did that for a very long time. And then when, because of my knee injury, I couldn't run anymore. I feel guilty about not hopping out of bed and putting my running shoes and going and just laying there in bed. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of do some meditating there. I just lay there. I'll look out the window, look at the birds, play with my grand dog now. And today I went for an hour and a half walk outside with my grand dog in the middle of the day. I was like, you know what? I work for myself. Like there's nothing urgent. I'm just going to go enjoy. And it's 40 degrees and crisp and beautiful. It was like, you know, blue skies. And it was just, I came back and I just felt so, like you said, centered. Yes. For me, the mountains are more than the ocean, but I still love the sound of the waves. But I can only sit there for like a half hour. If I'm out in the woods, I could be there for hours. I guess forest that's why bathing. RV. Oh, the forest, forest bathing. bathing. Oh my God. Yes. If you haven't done forest bathing, just go out and do that deep breath smell the pine needles and just listen. Don't talk, don't have music on and just be, even if it's for five minutes, it is, ah, for me, that's, that is 
better than paying my therapist. It is. And I'm glad you made the point about, you know, listening to music. I do not do my walk, anything. No. Sometimes once in a while, but it's very rare that I will do that. And so many people are missing out to be constantly plugged into the TVs on, the radios on, the music's on, whatever. That's how you can't, you you block your connection with yourself by constantly being barraded by all kinds of things. And and that starts the negative self-talk too. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a TikTok junkie. Like I, I will admit if I, I can just scroll for hours on that app and it's, it's a guilty pleasure. But then I also found out that you're bombarded with negativity and it can make you feel bad about yourself. Like yes. I've, I've shared a lot that I've gained 40 pounds over the last year and I'm trying to figure it out. And so I made a mistake of searching one person and then all of a sudden this toxic diet culture came down upon me and I started feeling really bad about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, okay, recognize that. And cause I was even putting like, or listening to podcasts when I would go out and walk about health mm-hmm. and wellness. Cause I mean, I like that kind of stuff, but it stressed me out. Even yes. though the information, some of it was good. You have to filter through all that shit. But I was like, yeah, no. I'm I'm going back to my forest bathing, even if it's just walking down the road. Exactly. Unplugged. Yes. Yes. Very powerful. Quick, easy, simple, cheap thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. So we're kind of running out of time. So I want to wrap up some stuff here. One is you have to take action and it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's got to be something. And oftentimes it's a decision that, you know what? Not today, Satan. I want a better life for myself. And not getting hung up on the how as much, like how that's going to happen, but just believing that it will happen. So that's one. Two, your brain is a very powerful thing. And what you tell yourself matters. Three, nature is a sanctuary. Get outside. Take the time for yourself. And lastly, your past, although affects who you are, it doesn't have to define your future unless you allow it to happen. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Diane, you have an event coming up in Rhode Island. So I want you to share about it because if I was in, t- if I'm, I think I'm going to be on the West Coast or I would totally be there. So share a little bit about what you got going on. So I'm doing a wellness retreat for women and sharing some of the, some of my story of, of how I've created what I have. And I'm doing it with uh, a woman, the owner of Sundance Wellness. It's in Rhode Island. It'll be at Thrive Studio in Warwick. And we are together created this beautiful three hours on January 7th to help set new intentions on how to be happier, be healthier. You know, that we don't want to make it into do this, two, one, two, three. It's more about helping women to take that pause and go inside. There'll be some yoga. There'll be some meditation that'll be guided. There'll be some journaling. There'll be some community sharing. This is not going to be like other retreats where you go pick this modality, do that modality. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do? No, it's about being centered 
in community. That's huge because we were talking about earlier about, you know, our tribes, like the five, the people who honor space. That's what we're hoping to be able to introduce women to, that there's another way of becoming who you're meant to be in this life. Yeah, we had talked about that on our last coaching session about maybe we're just stepping into who we were always meant to be. And women have such a hard time like doing that. And are you going to share some of your, like you are great at the whole vision board manifesting thing. Are you incorporating any of that into this event? We are. But instead of doing the actual vision board, because sometimes that gets a little too overwhelming, cutting out pictures and so on. Yeah. So uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to do break it down into a word or two that is going to propel you into 2024. What is the word that will keep, keep you centered? You can keep coming back to. And so we're going to do a like a collage created by everyone who's coming to this event. We'll do it together and create it oh, together. How cool. Have you chosen your word or words? No, actually, I haven't. Oh, wow. Have not. I guess that's some homework you need to do, huh? I do. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm still putting together my big ass calendar. Oh, I it's love that. Style. Yeah, just yes. Whistler. Follow oh, yes. him. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. I need my word. My word this year, by the way, since we're almost done, was fun. I don't always get enough fun in my life. So we'll see. Awesome. Stay tuned. I'll awesome. let you know what awesome. my word is. So I know you have a few spots left. If somebody's interested and they're in the Warwick, uh, Rhode Island area, how do they get in touch with you to sign up for this? I think the best thing is to call me or text me. My phone number is 401-451-5965. And my email is crosby.diane, last name, first name, C-R-O-S-B-Y dot Diane, D-I-A-N-E at gmail.com. All right. If you're in the area... Please take advantage. I know you have some, you're only allowing like 30 people, right? Yeah, we Is only have a few spots yeah. left. I mean, yeah, we have early bird, early bird sign up, which I think is the 18th. So I encourage you just to, you know, shoot me a text or an email and I'll be happy to send you a little more info. Oh my God, Diane, this was so wonderful. And folks, I hope you got a lot out of this. And I learned something new every time I talk to Diane. She has come into my life for a reason. We share so many things. And the first time I saw her on Zoom, I was like, oh my God, you have red glasses too. And I just connected with her. I was like, I read glasses. She, my, she, I always say like, Diane is my people. She is my people. So thanks for joining us today. Again, I'm Cindy Donaldson. This is the Cindy Donaldson Show. To learn more about what I do, you can go to cindy-donaldson.com. I do have a group coaching program that is launching in early January. I've got a few spots left for that. All the information is on the website. Have an amazing day. And again, Diane, thank you. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to stop the record and we can like chat after. So thanks everybody for joining us. Take care. Bye.